Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. We're reading out of Luke 2, verses 4 to 20. And don't worry, I'm only going to go for about 60 minutes. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude uh, of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of God. I have a complicated relationship with Christmas. I love the, the first miracle, in a sense, that Jesus performed, the central miracle that C.S. Lewis calls the miracle from which all other miracles proceeded, that God became man, meaning every other miracle prepares for this, exhibits this, or results from God becoming man. I, I love the rich theology that, that is being sung during this time, but I'm I'm kind of conflicted as I walk through the mall and and people are grabbing last-minute gifts and are harassed and and angry. And and over the loudspeakers you hear, mild he lay his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. I clearly don't own any Christmassy apparel. Chris said to me, what's going on with that? But but I, I love Christmas for the idea of the gifts that was given us. I also love Christmas for the idea of the traditions that we have. There are some traditions that we've kept, and there are some traditions that we haven't. We no longer do Elf on the Shelf. It is done. It is finished. Thank goodness. That was a lot of pressure. Parents, let me say this. The more creative you start, the more difficult it is to keep up with that. I, uh, I heard this the other day. Parents, please let your children believe in Santa. You believe in essential oils and no one is being hurt, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know. So uh, one of our traditions is um, Thanksgiving Day 
the day after Thanksgiving, we go outside, we go on a hike, we do something physical, we come back, we get our Christmas tree, I put out the lights outside, um, the Christmas tree gets decorated by the kids, we finish decorating it, and we watch Elf. And Elf is a deeply theological movie, as, <laughs> as you will see. Elf is the story of a human being that was taken back in Santa's backpack and ended up being raised by Santa and the elves and then realizes that actually this is not where he belongs and, and comes, in a sense, out of this beautiful world into this dark, greedy, despondent world to try and find his dad. Those of us that are familiar with Elf will know some of the favorite quotes of Elf. I think my, my favorite quote is, you stink, you smell of beef and cheese, you don't smell like Santa, and you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> but probably the most well-known elf quotes are what are the three rules of elves, and these are the three rules. To treat every day like Christmas, there's always room for everyone on the nice list, and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's partly what we're doing and partly what we will do. But, no, you don't want to sing anymore? I'm sorry, bud. You didn't look happy singing there anyway. <laughs> I think the first thing that we can learn from these rules of Christmas is that we are to live with an act of joy. Um, Charles Dickens talks about the difference between being childish and childlike. And Jesus himself said that we are to be like children, for theirs is the kingdom of God. There is and honesty and a joy with children um, expressed right here. As doesn't want to sing anymore. That's great. How many of you would tell me, I don't want to sing anymore? You know? There's a wonder, an awe, a satisfaction, and an excitement that comes with being a child. And that's one of those things that we're celebrating. It's one of the things that the shepherds um, realized when those angels just surrounded them and began to sing. I mean, can you imagine um, you're sitting there, minding your own sheep, and all of a sudden, an angel appears before you. And what, is, what do they say? Do not fear, right? Well, please help me with that. It's like, if an angel appeared, maybe next time, say, it's okay to be fearful. You know, it's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a good response. But the, but the shepherds experience this joy. And one of my favorite verses in here is verse 20, where... Um, where the shepherds go and they express their joy and gratitude after having seen what the, what the angels said actually was happening. I love this verse in verse 14 where it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Why can we live with active joy? Because God is pleased with us. He's not angry. He's not frowning, looking down with a with a disappointing finger, he is pleased with us. And why can he be pleased with us? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to be our victorious Savior. Because he defeated sin and death and Satan. Because he is the perfect sacrifice. The lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Because he is the king. Because he literally knows every emotion, every temptation, every pain that I am experiencing right now. Smiling is my favorite. That's one of the other. Um, I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. Now, as Christians, we have a much deeper well of joy. We have been pursued by God, rescued by His grace, 
and given a new identity and family. Joy is a key marker of the Christian faith. The Bible tells us that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. That joy is your strength. That joy is the lens through which we view our suffering and trial. Consider it all joy, brothers, when you experience suffering. And most importantly, joy is the lens through which we view our circumstances, not the outcome of those circumstances. In other words, if we are filled with joy, our circumstances are redefined by the lens that we use, which is a joy because we've been adopted into his family. Rule number two. There's always room for everyone on the nice list. No one is beyond the grace of God. No one. Now, in those days, it's important for us to recognize that shepherds were not on the nice list. Shepherds were people that were not allowed to fulfill judicial office. They were not allowed to be used as witnesses in the courts. There were strange stories told about shepherds. So in other words, if you wanted to scare your child, you didn't tell them that the boogeyman would come. You told them that if they didn't eat their peas, you would call the shepherd and he would get them and then they would eat their peas. Okay? They were the lowest rung on the economic ladder. They had no formal education. And people were told not to buy wool or milk or kids. And that's not little children. That's actually little sheep. Okay? Um, from them because you couldn't tell whether they were stolen or not. But listen to what the angel says to them. That there will be for all people a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a rescuer who is Christ, the Messiah, the appointed and anointed one. He wasn't just saying, the angels weren't just saying that unto Mary is born and unto Joseph is born. But you shepherds, you shepherds who aren't on the nice list, you shepherds that are excluded from everything, unto you a child is born. We know that... Um, there's a guy in the Bible called Paul who previously was called Saul. And his job was to persecute and kill Christians. And this is what he says about being on the nice list. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But God had mercy on me. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience. And even the worst sinners would be saved. Then others will realize that they too can believe him and receive eternal life. I think one of the difficult things for us to recognize is that when we look around and we see maybe family members or people that we know that, that aren't on the nice list. That the reality is that no one is outside of the touch of God. And just remember, you weren't on the nice list either. You made it into the Lamb's book of life. There is a massive difference between the Lamb's book of life and Santa's Christmas list. Let's look at this cartoon from Calvin and Hobbes. I wish Santa would publish the guidelines he uses for determining a kid's goodness. For example, how much does he weigh the motives and a kid's natural predisposition? I mean, if some sickingly, sickingly whatever, if some wholesome nerd likes being good, it's easy for him to meet the standards. There's no challenge. Heck, anyone can be good if he wants to be. The true test of one's mettle is being good when one has an innate inclination towards evil. I think that one good act by me, even if it's just to get presents, 
should count as five good acts by some sweet-tempered kid motivated by the pureness of his heart. Don't you? Bang, he hits Susie with a snowball. Of course, Hobbes says, in your case, the question is purely academic. He said, well, I wanted to put a rock in the snowball, but I didn't. That should count for something. <laughs> Jesus' Lamb's book of life is not about what you've done or what you haven't done. It's about what has been done for you and in spite of you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life if you have accepted Jesus Christ as what he is now. Not a babe in a manger, but the risen and true king ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father. Galatians 4 tells us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem or to justify or to absolve those who were under the law, me and you so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is a critical thing for us to understand. We did not just receive absolution and our sins forgiven. We were brought into the family of God. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave. You are a son. It was not just that Jesus paid the price. It was not just that Jesus' blood paid the price for our sin, but his righteousness, his goodness was accounted to us as righteousness. We cannot reciprocate this gift. Now, I don't know, we just received gifts from my brother-in-law. And part of the, 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 the challenge with Christmas is reciprocity. It's, it's like, oh great, we got gifts. Oh shoot, now we need to get them gifts. Okay, what did they get us? Oh, they got us this. Okay, well, then we need to get them something that's of equal value or worth. We can't get them something that's too little because then we'll look bad, right? You cannot reciprocate this gift. If you worked a thousand lifetimes to try and prove yourself worthy of this gift of grace, you would not even come close. You can't reciprocate it. You can't earn it. You simply receive it. Rule number three, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Our proclamation as Christ followers brings people hope. We are the light of the world. When the sentimentality and the niceness begins to fade somewhere around the second week of January, when, when Christmas cheer is not enough, when the gifts are broken and the credit card statements begin to roll in, it's not enough to just have this sentimental sense of joy. It has to be rooted in the fact that I have a deposit of the living God in me, that Jesus came to rescue me, that we are the ones that make this proclamation. And just in the same way that Jesus came, not to point from heaven, but to live and dwell with us, we are called to incarnate hope and joy and peace and love by the way in which we interact with others. What kind of Christmas cheer are we spreading? If the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, then we do need to use our voice. We do need to declare that goodness, but we also need to live in a way that is compelling for people. What message are we spreading? We're spreading the message that Jesus is coming and I know him. And just like Alf says about Santa, Santa's coming. I know him. There's joy. Look at the people around him. There's joy. Santa's coming. I know him. 
Our declaration is Jesus is coming. I know him. I know his kindness. I know his goodness. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for all from this time forth and evermore. Do you know the wonderful counselor? Do you know divine wisdom and leading through his word? Do you know comfort in times of uncertainty? Do you know guidance when you are facing difficult choices, when you feel lost? Will you listen to the wonderful counselor? Do you know the mighty God? Do you know a God that rules with government and leadership? And even though we have been massively wounded by authority figures in our life, illicit or unhealthy authority does not mean that we just reject it, but we run to Jesus, who is the fullness of benevolent authority. He has the power to execute the plans that he has put in place. This is not just a theory. Martin Luther King says, evil may so shape events that Caesar will occupy a palace and Christ a cross, but that same Christ arose and split history into AD and BC, so that even the life of Caesar must be dated by his name. Yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. It bends towards a mighty God who will rule with authority and power and justice and righteousness. And you don't flirt with a God like that. You submit to the mighty God. Will you submit to the mighty God? Do you know the everlasting Father? Do you know adoption, provision, kindness, intimacy, family and belonging? Do you know that you are important to someone? Do you know that you are under someone's protection? Will you accept the Father's love and rest? Do you know the everlasting Father? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Not just the sacrifice, but the one that brokered peace. The one that ends the war between you and God. The one that ends the war between you and yourself. The one that ends the war between you and others. Do you know the Prince of Peace? Do you know the one who is willing and able and has the power to deal with the penalty of sin and break the power of sin? Will you accept his terms of peace? Do you know the Prince of Peace? What is our message? What do we sing loud for all to hear? Who do we honor? We honor the Son of Adam, the Son of Heaven, given as a ransom, reconciling God and man, Christ our mighty champion. What a Savior, what a friend, what a glorious mystery. Once a babe in Bethlehem, now the Lord of history. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.